Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. This is Karen Wickiam from STAT, and I have a special episode for you today. I have a passion for true crime and devour it from every medium, books, documentaries, the internet, but my favorite way to be told these tragic stories is through podcasts. There are a lot of really great ones, but when a new one comes out, I am always eager to listen. I'm really excited about a new podcast from Wondery called Felonious Florida. Felonious Florida is a new true crime series that's coming out of the sunny state of Florida. This podcast really makes you question what evidence can and cannot do. There are two amazing reporters from the Sun Sentinel newspaper who have uncovered new details about two gruesome crimes where the murderers of each crime might still be out there. The first story begins after a long night out in 1994 when a nightclub owner goes home with two women. The owner of the nightclub's paranoia led him to install a top-of-the-line surveillance system at his house. This surveillance system didn't work at saving his life, but as an observer that captured the last 22 minutes of his life. 24 years and two death sentences later, nobody stands convicted of these three murders. The second crime takes place on a Christmas afternoon in 2007. A mother and daughter were found executed in the back of their SUV. They may not have been the only victims. It turns out that the killer may have struck in the past and might strike again in the future. It's amazing what these reporters have uncovered for this show. Here's a preview of the first episode of Felonious Florida. Be sure to subscribe to Felonious Florida on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this, or find a link in the show notes. It's Sunday morning, June 26, 1994, just after dawn. In a quiet suburb in South Florida, a 40-something well-dressed man with shaggy hair stands over a table in a tile-floored dining room. He's laughing and flirting with two young women. They're sharing a bottle of wine. The man floats around the house, puts on music, checks out his hair as he passes by a mirrored wall in the living room. He comes up behind one of the women as she's sitting in a chair and tips her way back playfully then puts her upright and gives her a long hug. He dons a hat and tips it to the other woman with a smile, then places it on her head. This little party looks like it could go on for a while. Then an intruder bursts through an unlocked sliding glass door. He has a machine gun. Without hesitating, he lifts it over his head and slams the butt end of it into the man's face, knocking him to the ground. An accomplice comes through the same door, carrying something that looks like a long stick. They turn their attention to the women, and the scene turns brutally violent. What they don't know is that every step they take, every blow, every bullet fired, is being caught on tape. From the Sun Sentinel and SouthFlorida.com, in association with Wondery, this is Felonious Florida, the podcast that leads you into the dark side of the Sunshine State. I'm Lisa Arthur, and this is the story of the Casey's Nickelodeon murders.
Episode 1, The Executions. Palm Beach County, Florida. A deputy sheriff on his regular patrol spots thick black smoke billowing over the Everglades. He drives toward Belglade, a remote sugarcaning town in the far west of the county. Wildfires are common out here, and it hasn't rained in days. But as he approaches the location of the smoke, it's not a wildfire the deputy finds. It's a burning car. A luxury black Mercedes SL convertible on the side of the road, fully engulfed in flames. There's nobody inside. Seven hours earlier and 70 miles to the south, two young women are looking to cap off a night out. There's a popular after-hours nightclub near Hollywood, Florida, called Casey's Nickelodeon, and they're late-night regulars. Marie Rogers and Sharon Anderson pull into the parking lot of Casey's around 3.30 Sunday morning. They always arrive after the 2 a.m. last call at other bars in the area. As usual, Casey's is crowded and Marie and Sharon make their way to the bar. That's where they run into Butch Casey, the flashy manager and former owner of the club. His real name is Kazimir Sukarski Jr. He just prefers Butch, and he looks like somebody named Butch. The 48-year-old is something of a local celebrity in the South Florida bar scene, and he fancies the role. Butch is known as the party king and a ladies' man, a womanizer, some would say. He is larger than life, and women love him. His roguish good looks, a dazzling smile, shaggy hair. He favors aviator sunglasses and silk scarves, and he can actually pull them off. He wore a chunky silver chain around his neck and a diamond-encrusted pendant of the Casey's Nickelodeon logo. On one wrist was a Cartier watch, on the other, a bracelet with Butch spelled out in diamond-studded letters. Butch is well known for carrying two things, a chrome-plated pistol under his jacket and wads of cash in his boots. He also has a penchant for Mercedes-Benzes. Butch is working the crowd when Marie and Sharon arrive, and he spots them as they move through the bar. It was hard not to. They are the kind of beautiful that draws stares when they walk into a room. Both are 25 years old, slender with fine features and dramatic cheekbones. They move gracefully. And they're ambitious. They're just starting to break into South Florida's burgeoning fashion, modeling, and entertainment scene. Sharon had dedicated the years after high school to preparing for the entertainment career she dreamed of, sculpting her body, taking acting and dancing classes. She had scored roles in several music videos shot in South Beach. One of them was rapper Heavy D's Girls They Love Me. Marie had studied fashion design and dreamed of making it big in the South Beach fashion industry. She had coordinated fashion showcases around South Florida. She juggled her budding career with being the single mother of a toddler. Butch Casey makes his way over to Marie and Sharon, and the three spend some time talking. He flirts with them, has a plate of oysters Rockefeller sent over, on the house. As dawn starts to break and the club is closing down, Butch invites the two women back to his house in the quiet suburb of Miramar, a few miles away. They arrive shortly after 6.30, right around sunrise, and Butch gives them a tour of the place. He's in fine form tonight, entertaining his guests attentively. The impromptu little party goes on. 
Within an hour, all three are dead, brutalized and shot in their heads at close range. What happened over that hour at Butch Casey's house is hardly a mystery. In fact, we know second-by-second second detail about the movements of Butch Casey and the others who were there. It's what makes this case, now known as the Casey's Nickelodeon murders, so remarkable. To listen to the rest of this in the second episode, find Polonius, Florida on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this, or find the link in the show notes that will take you there.